my fellow citizens. Today is 627-2020. You're listening to The Armed Citizen. I'm your host, Will Foster. And today I'm talking with Steve Dennis, who has the Playoffs and Politics uh, uh, podcast. And um, he agreed to uh, talk with me about uh, the Black Lives Matters uh, group. And um, I think we're just going to have a general conversation. It doesn't necessarily have to stick to that uh, particular topic. Um, But uh, in any case, uh, he was willing to uh, agree to do the interview. And I'm really excited to have him on here. He's got far more experience in the podcast. His is older than mine. So um, without further ado, uh, Steve, welcome to the show. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. Um, I think conversations like this are important. You know, we chatted a little bit beforehand about, uh, you know, your goal for the podcast and uh, what the objective is of this episode. And I think it's uh, it's good to have dialogue. And that's the whole uh, reason behind my Playoffs and Politics podcast is to um, have these conversations. So that's a, a big focal point of mine. So I'm uh, happy to be here. Great. Uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, whatever you whatever you'd like to tell them uh, about yourself. Yeah, certainly. Um, so for me, like I said, uh, Steve Dennis is the name uh, from the East Coast, originally from Rhode Island, uh, but now reside in New Hampshire. Um, I have a background in business and education. Um, have my undergraduate and master's degrees, both uh, business focused and uh, have some uh, political experience myself. I worked for uh, Bernie Sanders campaign this past uh, campaign season, and I've been doing the podcasting thing. Uh, Specific Playoffs and Politics podcast has been around for uh, a little over a year now. Um, It can be found on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to things. And um, But I have been doing like radio shows and podcasting since I was uh, in early in my days in college. So uh, it's a fun way to engage with people, especially now during uh, the pandemic and things being shut down. It's uh, more important than ever to engage and have conversations. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. No, me too. I'm I'm really glad you uh, volunteered to have this dialogue with me. Um, like you were saying when we talked earlier, uh, I uh, my explanation to you was that uh, as much as I hate labels, uh, it does sometimes seem necessary for the the setup of what is what uh, I consider myself to lean a little to the right um, more than center. And I, uh, I labeled you as maybe leaning a little to the left. Is that an accurate, is that an okay? Or, or how how would you label yourself? Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I would call myself a a proud progressive um, and uh, you know, registered, independent um and an independent thinker for certain um but definitely like i had mentioned um worked on the bernie sanders campaign and he's a a proud progressive as well Um, i'm not one for labels either uh, but i like you said when setting context to conversations it's important to to know where everybody's starting and and i only and i'm only bringing that up just so that we can you know paint the picture of really my goal is to be able to have a conversation have it be friendly and, and to, you know, have two sides of a conversation uh, that's diverse. And Mm -hmm. uh, so that's kind of why I was painting that picture. 
uh, one, an example for me is that I don't, you know, necessarily think that, uh, you know, when you say someone's to the left or say a Bernie supporter or whatever, uh, that that locks them into this specific uh, spot. Because uh, I have friends uh, who I've, you know, we've been friends for 20 and, and 30 years. And, uh, you know, liberal educations, one went to Berkeley uh, University. And uh, the other, while not uh, a college graduate or anything, she's very much a Bernie uh, Sanders supporter. And um, yet at the same time, she fully supports the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. And, you know, a lot of times when you think of a, a Bernie Sanders supporter or a uh, liberal or a progressive, often think of them as being anti-gun. Uh, and she's not anti-gun. She to- totally supports that, but at the same time supports Bernie Sanders. So, uh, it, and we have conversations all the time. And, you know, we, we still wind up uh, ending the conversation as friends. Uh, and so I, I truly believe that we can have a dialogue that doesn't uh, uh, require us to hate each other at the end of the conversation. And uh, that's my goal, like, because I see a lot of hate happening um, in, in our country and, and in the world. And I just would love to encourage more open, honest and friendly dialogue. Yeah, I definitely agree, Will, and that's uh, that was my initial thought when I saw your, uh, you know, your posting when you're looking for people to have this conversation. So, looking forward to it. All right, so my uh, we'll get right to the topic that I listed as the the conversation to have, which was the Black Lives Matter group. So, are mm-hmm. you? Um, uh, I could see where maybe there may be some confusion or maybe there's no confusion at all i just you see the opportunity for it um i said the black lives matter group because there's a couple of issues i have with the group i do not have a problem with the black lives matter uh movement per se um my opinion on the black lives matter uh movement is that really i feel that the problem is in general um, police brutality and uh, a moving away from our constitutional rights that affect all of us, not just the black lives. Uh, and if the black lives matter movement creates that change, then that's great. Uh, but I do feel like, um, it does kind of take away from the concept for me that it's just about the black lives. It's really all of our lives are affected by it. Um, and not just blacks, um, but I still do support, you know, the, the concept because it doesn't matter what color you are, your life matters. And, um, so there's, there's nothing wrong with, in my opinion, uh, supporting the black lives matter movement. Uh, but this is really about, um, and it doesn't, again, doesn't have to be narrowed in on this one topic, but I was bringing up the Black Lives Matter group uh, itself. Um, does, it, does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. And yeah, I mean, it, your, uh, um, your ask was to speak about the Black Lives Matter movement. And it's hard to, you know, especially on a podcast, you can sort of go off on, on tangents. And you know, yeah. I'll try and keep the, especially in a topic as broad as this, you know, because there are so many... Uh, pieces that intersect with other areas of, of politics and history and, and the world. 
Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll try and keep it as, as close to that. Um, you know, I, I, and again, I, am I safe to assume that you are a, a fellow white person as well, or I am a white person. That was going to be one of those, um, topics that I thought we might kind of veer into because I was just recently reading a summarization of the white fragility, uh, book that was just recently published that basically says, uh, you and I being white are racists, period. There's, you know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. The fact that we're white makes us racist, which I, I, I take, um, I, I, I don't agree with that. Yeah. I and I, I don't think being a white makes you a racist automatically. No. And I, I would say too. So, I mean, the reason I had to sort of ask that question is just, you know, I'm here to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement. I, I, I can't, um, I'm an ally of it. I'm an endorser of the movement. Um, I can't relate to what it is like to be um, a person of color or a black person in this, uh, in this country, uh, because there are just frank differences. Um, Like you said, I mean, they're, they're uh, yes, yes, all lives matter, but until, you know, we come to the point where um, there are no more systemic uh, when the when the scale is balanced, um, you know, you can say that all lives matter, but until black lives are treated equally, fairly, and we eliminate the systemic issues and barriers that are put in front of uh, that community, then it is hard to say, you know, to tout that yes, all lives matter. And that's a common debate, I'm sure that you see. Um, and no, I mean, I time. think. Yep, and I think um, you know the the piece that White Fragility book. I would recommend that uh, people read it. I think this conversation is is one that um, you know deals with a lot of self reflection and introspective. I mean, that as a, a a white person, you know, I am not um, you know racism is not something that you are born with. It's something that you're taught. Uh, but unfortunately for you know, many people in the white community, we are raised in a system that, you know, benefits off of the fact that we are, we have white skin versus, you know, another color of skin. Um, that does not mean that because I am white, that my life is not hard. I'm a, a you know, come from a, a blue collar family. Um, father used to be a police officer. Father uh, was a, a city worker um, for 30 years. And um, you know, one income family. And, you know, so I, I know the blue collar experience just like everybody else. And it's not, not an easy life to live middle-class definitely. Um, does not mean that my life was not hard. It just means that it was not made harder, um, due to the color of my skin. Okay. And so that's really, I mean, a great, um, intro, uh, into, uh, another topic. Uh, I, you know, I, I do think this could go on for a long time because there's so many uh, mm-hmm. topics uh, involving this kind of what you t- touched on. Um, and so the, the whole um, fragility thing and the, you know, born in or taught racism and so forth and, and systemic um, I think I'm going to out of that whole, uh, cadre of uh, topics. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, the systemic. So, yep. from your perspective, um, 
you agree with the concept that that racism is systemic and that means that the entire system governmental system law enforcement everything is racist uh not entirely racist but certainly um the foundations of those systems there were there was an inherent enabled racism that existed you know if, if you think back to the very foundation of this country you know the our founding fathers in history is is a complex thing nothing is black and white but um you know, our founding document says we, the people, are you know granted these inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Right. Um, the people who yeah. are writing that. Yeah, document, we had slaves. The people who wrote that document were slaves, and when they said we, the people, black people and slaves were not included in that we. So, when you think of the foundation of this country, I, I don't think that. I mean we are still dealing with the side effects of slavery to this day. Um, you know, slavery ended, um, you know, in the, the 1800s, but that then led to Jim Crow laws that then led to segregation that then led to redlining where we only allowed blacks to, to congregate and buy homes in certain places that then led to, people serving in world war one and world war two where, you know, whites were allowed the benefits of the GI bill and black soldiers weren't when they returned home from the service um, to now, you know, the issues we see with police brutality today. So I don't think that those systems are 100% racist designed to negatively impact the black community, but I think that their foundations had racism involved in the foundations of them that we have just been unable to escape to this very day. What tried to escape it hard enough is, is always tried to do enough to eliminate um, the issues and make it more of a, an even playing field for everybody. Okay. And I, 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 I see nothing wrong. I mean, I, I wouldn't argue any aspect of that other than I think that my perspective on the subject is that, um, what makes our constitution so fantastic um, is that our, our foundation, just like you said, the foundation of our country um, didn't include slaves. And, and when you think of that, it's, you know, why was that? And that was because slavery wasn't just in the United States. It was all over the world. Um, and, and so during those times, slavery was in many areas an accepted, um, practice system, yep. practice system. Uh, I mean, there really was a whole system in the slave trade. You had tribes of, uh, Africans who were selling the other African tribes that they had you know, uh, defeated in a, in a war or a battle and then sell them off. So, you know, slavery was in a sense created by, uh, the Africans themselves. Uh, but that's a whole nother subject. Anyway, the point being is that, 
um, it existed. It was a it was a system that existed and was an accepted practice. And so um, my point to that is that's why it existed and and was imperfect about the country. But the great thing about this this whole document or this this system our constitutional system is that it did allow for the changes that you know it was in fact the constitution that really brought about the understanding and acceptance that uh blacks are uh inalienable uh have rights to inalienable rights to freedom uh just as women you know women's suffrage um you know, women couldn't vote and it didn't matter what color their skin was. And so we have, you know, really um, progressed out of the archaic mindset that uh, white men were superior to any other race and that men in general were superior to women. And, uh, you know, we have grown and, and changed. And I think the, the Constitution embodies that concept uh, and promotes that concept of, of freedom. And so from my, my perspective on the systemic aspect of racism, you know, I don't really think that exists. I think it's, it's a misnomer because, you know, in many cities, more officers uh, are of a minority than, um, than you would think. In fact, there, there's more African-American and Hispanic and Asian officers than there are white officers. Um, and when you factor in that the races, as far as their numbers, you know, like blacks make up like 12% of the population and, and, uh, you know, Asians seven or 8%, I haven't looked at the newest stats, but basically whites make up a larger portion of the country's populace. And so the fact that the system has black uh, chiefs of police and black mayors and and even at one time a black president the system itself is actually very diverse and and i feel like you know this whole concept of a, uh, a systemic racism is really is a misnomer i think racism still exists um and it does it it confounds me because i've only known a couple of racists, what I say, true blue racists in my life. One of them I went to school with and, you know, he's labeled himself a, uh, a skinhead, white supremacist, uh, supremacist. And, you know, I just, I look at that and I mean, it makes no sense to me how someone can think that way. Uh, but it does exist. I mean, you know, those groups exist. Racism does exist, but I do take, uh, exception to the fact that I, I don't see it as being systemic. I don't, I don't see how it can be systemic when so many diverse races make up the system. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, America is unique because of its lack of, uh, you know, homogenous nature, right? I mean, we have so many, it, it's a, uh, a lot of people like to use the word, uh, melting pot. And, and I recently had a conversation with someone where uh, they said that that's really a bit of a misnomer is it more of if you think of it as a salad, you know, you have all of these different ingredients, but they don't really mix together. They they're you can put them together in the same place, 
but you know, your tomato is not infusing itself with, you know, the cucumber that's in there. Um, and I think that's, is, is a good analogy when looking at just the United States as a whole, when you talk about these different uh, cultures and different races and backgrounds that blend together. Um, but I mean, which hopefully complement each other, right? Uh, they make the salad good because they actually that is the American experiment. So, um, but when it comes to, I mean, po- police in general. I mean, you you brought up police. Um, you know, we've tried the make the officers look like the community that they're policing experiment. We've tried that. That was something that um, was really pushed under the uh, Obama era, um, and we've found that that did not work. Um, It's not that it didn't, you know, make things worse, but I I do think that the the police issue is more of a um, abuse of force, abuse of power uh, situation. I do think that they're, but again, police are no no separate than the, from that, as I believe, you know, inherent systemic racism. I mean, again, the, the foundation, the first police officers in America were, the people who patrolled plantations um, and patrolled slaves. Sure. But that was, that was 200 years ago. Right, it, it was. Uh, um, but the, I mean, I just, uh, the whole, for me going back, we keep going back to what was, and I just don't think that necessarily translate into what is today because we have changed where, you know, that doesn't, you know, the people that existed then do not exist now your father was a law enforcement officer. Do you think he was racist? Do you think he he picked out someone because of the color of her of his of their skin? Do you think that happened? No, I mean I I, I mean maybe it did. Right, I don't know. I, I'm, I wasn't, I'm asking because that might be your. Experience. I wasn't around when he was a police officer, and he, he and I have had plenty of disagreements about uh, use of force in in certain um, areas. You know, but I. I do know from conversations with him, you know, there, there were, there have been issues that I've taken with him on his stances on, you know, different things. And he's grown a lot as I've grown. Um, but I, I don't think you can't escape, you can't escape history because again, these, these, we're only a couple of generations from that time We're we're, we're not that far removed from that period of time. And you don't have to go back 200 years. It's, it's only been, 60 70 since we were even allowed to sit down in the same restaurant with these people segregation right so even again like that's that's the main difference just because we had a black president in obama did not cure racism and systemic racism there's a reason we've only had one black president and it's because of systemic racism um and and yes there are only they only take up 13 percent of the population but they're, and again, this could spin off into another conversation, but their, their, <laughs> sure. their uh, black communities are policed at higher rates because of redlining and, and where we send police officers. And they're gunned down at five times the rate of a white person in this country, despite the you know large uh, indifference in their uh the makeup of the population. So, so I, I think in, in a lot of the areas, in a lot of the industries that we see today, there are those foundations, you know, you, they don't wake up in the morning and say, how can I make life harder for a, a black person in this country? But it's in the foundations of their creation. It's in the 
the education system that we have. It's in the history books that we see. And everybody thinks that, you know, Martin Luther King just marched on Washington in 1960s and racism was over. And that was it. I mean, that's what a lot of people who, you know, come up with a, an education in, in school. I mean, and that was really what led me to this Black Lives Matter movement was, you know, I was, I was in high school when uh, Trayvon Martin was killed, which we, I'm, I'm not sure if you or your listeners are aware, but um, he, he was a, a person that was walking home from school and uh, walking home from the gas station. You'd have to have been living in a cave not to know. Right. About okay. Perfect. Martin. So, but I, you know, I was, I was someone who was in high school at the time too. And, and I had, I was doing the same exact things that he was doing. And the fact that, you know, that person gets gunned down and, and I don't, again, that doesn't mean that that's an indictment on all white people. You have to acknowledge that there is, um, you know, the whole, I don't see color argument. Like, I don't, I don't agree with that either. I think you have to see that there are differences in how, you know, all of these different backgrounds and communities live their lives. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess for me, I, uh, I'm still not convinced that it's systemic. I don't, I don't see, you know, again, for me to believe that something is systemic, um, you have to say that the people involved in the system are themselves racist. And I just don't think we have a large racist population. I just, in fact, I would say it's the opposite because you have so many people who uh, agree with, you know, the, the, the concept that racism is wrong. Um, and I, I think I get what you're saying is that because the system that was founded originally way back when somehow that's still carrying through today, uh, like when you're talking about uh, redlining, which, you know, a lot of people may not realize what redlining is, but just basically that is the, the neighborhoods that have a large degree of crime um, get the most attention and typically the neighborhoods that have the largest degree of crime are the poor neighborhoods, which are uh, typically uh, uh, have a higher population of minorities. Would you say that's an accurate? Right. So I think that's, that's the second half of it. I think the first half of it was the, when we did finally allow um, African-Americans and, and the black community to purchase their own homes, we said, okay, you can purchase your own home, but you can only purchase them here. And do you think that still exists today, though? I mean, you think that you do, do you think um, a black person can't move into any neighborhood they want to? No, that's not the case today. But again, the reason today, right, the reason we see and again, that was only 70 plus years ago. So again, you have these people in these communities, we're told you can only live here. And then that turns into, you know, the quote unquote, the ghettos you see um, where it's a high, high population of black people from those communities, which then turn into, okay, we're going to have to police those because there are black people living in those areas. We have to police those areas. Well, do you think it's just because there's black people living in there or because of the crime rates in those neighborhoods? Well, I think the crime rate comes from those areas being underfunded, underserved. I mean, again, like public school education is funded by property taxes. 
if those people are not offered and allowed to make the same amount of money uh, traditionally as a white person, it's, and again, these are things that, these are things that are not separate from the white and black community as well. And that's one thing that I think, again, I talked to you before about how I think there's a lot that sure. these two areas can agree on. You know, if, if there, there's no difference, there's no difference in this than there is with the, the West Virginia coal miner, you know, white person who, you know, has been undercut at the knees, you know, jobs going overseas, you know, sending jobs elsewhere. There's really no difference there. Um, you know, because again, those communities have to fund their public schools and they're underfunded, which leads to underdevelopment, which leads to lack of good quality jobs. And if they're getting a job, then it's not paying them, you know, what, what they're worth. And then that leads to, exactly. that leads to crime. So again, that's, that's where it's not just a, that is not just a, a black issue, but it is more predominant in the black community is my argument. So, and, and I think the issues you do see today, again, I wanted to paint the picture of the history and that's why I focused on that so much is because the, the side effects of these issues have, you still see today, you know, you see it in who controls the wealth in the country. And again, I'm not talking about a, again, whites are 70 plus percent of the country. So I'm not talking about it on a total number. It's on a percentage, but whites control the wealth in the country. Um, they're more, uh, whites are, many times more likely to be employed. Um, they're, they're done uh, experiments when it comes to uh, blind resume applications with a, an African sounding name and a white sounding name and the white sounding name much more likely to get the job than the black sounding name. Um, it, same thing with education, same thing with uh, the criminal justice system housing. I mean, these, these are things that, again, are all spinoffs of the segregation and, and slavery. So that's, that's why I continue to paint the picture um, of the, the origin of these issues, because they still exist today. They still exist in the sense of um, a prejudiced mindset. Yes. Again, it's, it's more of a, it's less of the, because again, I, I feel like a lot of people think like, a racist or a or racism is just marching down the street with a burning cross and like a KKK outfit. Like that's not that is overt racism. That's overt white supremacy. Um, again, it's the underlying issues in the systems we see today that contribute to the systemic racism. That's what I. That's what I mean, and that's what people mean when they say systemic racism. They don't. They don't mean that you know, they're still being asked to be slaves. It's okay. We're supposed to be treated equal, but you know, based on some of the things I had just referenced, that's not the case. And just because, okay. Obama, just because, you know, it was the same thing. It was the same argument before Obama when, you know, Jay-Z, you know, billionaire rapper, you know, Oh, well, you know, just because Jay-Z made it, you know, everybody can make it like, that's not the case. And you wouldn't say that same thing to you know uh a white person who well, that's um, that's a good per that's a good point why couldn't you say that anybody could make it i mean look at oprah winfrey bill cosby i mean i can name off a huge list of black people who are incredibly successful and not just in the entertainment industry we're you know we're talking you know uh the, you know, the wall street 
I mean, you have incredibly rich, uh, successful uh, black um, people in Wall Street, too. I mean, I, it does seem to me that anyone, in my opinion, in this country, regardless of their race, can become successful. And, and it seems like the evidence of that is, is all around us and in front of us. You don't think so? I don't really. Um, and, and again, and, and this is another area where regardless of race, I, I think that that's more of a, a myth. Um, I think that the, the barriers, and, and as we proceed into the future, I think that this issue gets a lot worse. Um, again, a lot of the people that you named came up uh, you know, into their success and fame uh, decades ago. Um, I think as you as we move further and further into the future with the inequity and sort of like the, the dual du, duopoly that we live in, where, you know, the people at the top live completely separated from, you know, the people in the middle class and lower class. Absolutely. I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, really, I feel like I mean, the the real issue is that there is this 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 separation um, of classes, which I think if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter, you're, you're for socialism, which is kind of a, a class, uh, issue, right? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I would not call myself a, uh, a socialist. And, socialist. Okay. And, and, you know, Bernie Sanders identifies as a, a democratic socialist, which is more on the lines of we live in a, you know, I, I think that we live in more of like an oligarchy than a democracy. Um, I think that there's more power given to the dollar than there is to the vote. Um, and I think that, yes, you are exactly correct that there is a, a class issue in this country where it connects to race is that on a much higher percentage, a black person is in that lower class than they are in the, upper class. Um, but again, that does not take away from the white person who is, you know, in a community that is, you know, their jobs have left and things like that. It's just, it's more, more often the case in the black community. So, um, again, we don't say to, we don't say to a, um, you know, again, I go back to the coal miner experience because again, that's, that is really the, um, that's a perfect example of like a, a white community that's been, been sold out and undercut is, you know, we don't say to them like, Oh, well, you know, look at, look at Trump. He made it, you know, look at, you know, he was a, you know, look at, look at what he did. Like we don't, we don't say to, well, he, he came from a rich dad. So why would you say that? Right. But I mean, if you, if you say that about someone like Oprah Winfrey, she didn't come from a rich family. She, she, you know, from the ground up, she built herself. Right, but I, because this country, this country promotes that. I, it makes it possible. It, it I, makes Trump it can't, Trump can't claim uh, that he, you know, scrapped his way up from the gutter, you know, because that's not how he grew up. Well, he, no way. he does do that. It would be totally anyone could point that as BS, right? He does do that though, and I appreciate you for calling him on that. Um, but. I do think that there is a there is an issue with I, I think the saying saying because this person made it 
should mean that everybody should be able to pull up their bootstraps and, and do the same thing. I think that's a lost cause. I think it's a lost cause when, when Joe Biden says it. I think it's a lost cause when people say it to people in the black community because uh, oftentimes you're asking someone who has had their arms metaphorically cut off to pull up their bootstraps. And I think that that is, again, another connection to the, to the systemic racism. You're making it, you're, you're putting that person in an, an underfunded school a crime-ridden, you know, good, underfunded, underserved community to equate themselves to a, a billionaire, entrepreneur, entertainer. I think that 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 is a um, so far away from reality um, for a lot of the people growing up in those stances that I just I don't think it it holds. Yeah, and I I mean I really I don't. It is a percentage that's small, but I mean, again, I don't think that it is just the people who are in the entertainment industry. I mean, uh, you, there's plenty of movies of people's, um, you know, you know, telling a story of their of their life. Uh, and one of them, I think, uh, one of my favorites is I think Will Smith, uh, who becomes you know a Wall Street, um, you know big hitter, big league Wall Street guy, and he definitely didn't have anything handed to him. He had to work his way up um, and, you know, being homeless and trying to raise a, a single boy, I think it really does, you know, if you're willing to work hard, if you're really willing to put in the effort, make the sacrifice, um, you can be anything you want in this country. And I, I think that still exists. We, we kind of, I, we still haven't talked about the BLM group and that is what I wanted to talk about because, you know, like, uh, Patrice colors. Are you familiar with her? Uh, name does not ring a bell. Alicia Garza. Uh, that one rings a bit more of a bell. Okay. So those are just two of the three founders. I'm focusing on them. Uh, because they um, are, well, Patrice labeled both her and Alicia as uh, trained Marxists. Uh, Are you familiar with that? Uh, Not their sentiments. Uh, No, I mean, I know what Marxism is, but yes, I am not, I could not uh, connect the two, no. Okay, so uh, it would be, I guess, unfair for me to drag you too far into that conversation, uh, but we're we're already at like forty-two minutes, and that was <laughs> I did want to get to that point. Um, uh, I think, maybe I it think one, be... one thing, one point though is, um, I mean, again, I've been, I have been engrossed in uh, the Black Lives Matter movement since. Uh, it originated, you know, back in, in 2015. And I could not tell you who the founders were. And I could not tell you, you know, I I could not tell you that information because honestly, I think it's, it is a, a movement that is larger than the people who have created it. Um, So that's one thing that I would, would say is that, you know, the, the backgrounds and the history of the people that had, you know, quote unquote, founded the, the organization. Um, you know, I, I, I can tell you that 
my assumption would be that a majority of the people that are participating in a Black Lives Matter march do not know the names of the people who founded the group. Um, because again, I, I don't think that they play that much of a relevance into the, the conversation and the, the movement that takes place. And that kind of actually trans, trans, uh, goodness, my, uh, I'm not very articulate today. Uh, that transfers us into the, um, the point that I, I really feel like, um, a lot of the people involved in the black lives matter movement don't really know a whole lot about it. It, it makes sense. Yes. Uh, a person's life matters. And, and I think the, you know, the passion behind the fact that uh, just because you're black doesn't mean your life uh, doesn't matter. And I mean, you would have to be a racist to not agree with that. You would have to be a racist not to accept that a black person's life is just as important as my life or your life, you know, and, and race should never ever um, or any other, you know, label that you could put on a person, whether, you know, they're uh, gay or they're a Christian or they're a Jew or, I mean, on and on. Uh, there's so many different things where people have been vilified. The Jews, you know, have their own story. And so mm -hmm. that is the hate that we have to really overcome. Um, and so it is kind of my uh, transition, I think, is the word I was looking for, uh, that really people are, are out there and they're, you know, chanting this, you know, Black Lives Matter, but really themselves don't get any of the large politics of it. They're just kind of joining in because they have that fundamental a feeling that uh, you know lives matter including black people and and so that's kind of why they jump in and i'm not saying that about you certainly you're you're certainly more versed on it than many people i've talked to um, but what concerns me is that that whole uh attitude of getting involved in something and not getting educated not taking the time to truly educate themselves on the reality of what something is. And, and so these, you know, uh, Patrice Kalors, although you haven't heard about her, she's been uh, interviewed by multiple uh, recently um, media outlets uh, from the left and to the right. And, you know, she's consistently saying that we have to tear down the whole system that, you know, um, really advocating Marxism, socialism, and, and changing the um, construction of our, of our country, the, what it is. Do you, since you're not familiar with her, again, it wouldn't be a, a fair, I'll just transition into, let's just discuss the concept that uh, the Black Lives Matter movement would fundamentally change this country uh, not for the better, in my opinion, uh, in the sense that it would eliminate, say, the Constitution and uh, our system of government. Do you, you support that concept of eliminating the system that we have 
entirely or i mean what parts would you change what parts would you keep like i don't know if that's a better yeah, way no, that's a good good question yeah i mean like i said i can't speak to them specifically but i can speak to like the overall i mean i can speak to as to why i got involved um you know i think a lot of the people that are involved see an injustice taking place and it reminds me of i was younger at the time um, but it reminds me of the the occupy wall street movement which i'm sure that you might remember um yeah, yeah, I'm 53. I remember a lot of it. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, the, the riots in L.A. Uh, watching, you know, gotcha. that happen then. So, But I, I, you know, the Occupy Wall Street movement was a it was it was a movement without a leader. And when I say without a leader, it, you know, it, it, it was spontaneous. A mo- yes, it was a movement caused uh, it was a, uh, created out of a an injustice taking place. And it was a movement that was larger than the whoever could have founded it. Um, you know, I, I think a, a good movement is not represented by one person because oftentimes people fail us, right? So if, if that one person does something corrupt, then the entire movement falls apart. Um, so when it comes to the Black Lives Matter movement, um, support tearing down the constitution. Um, I don't support, um, you know, ripping up that, that document. Uh, And I can tell you honestly, from the, the years of events that I've attended um, for civil rights and for the black lives matter community, I've never heard that um, uttered. So again, like that may be that one person's opinion. um, But I don't, believe that to be the larger goal of the organization. The larger goal of the organization is to for so long and again you may say right now um, there is no systemic racism but for so long there have been issues that have held back the black community that have been systemic and the the overall mission of that movement and again the Black Lives Matter is the title because it, it is to say that Black Lives Matter too, you know. In addition, I totally to, could get behind that. I would be on the street with every single person out there if they were chanting Black Lives Matter too. Uh, that's always been my point. Not, but um, I'm sorry to interrupt. But you hit no, my no, nerve. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Um, you know, when coming up, titles are tough. When coming up with something, I'm sure when you were coming up with your podcast, it's tough to come up with a title. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's to send a specific uh, message, and and oftentimes, no matter what your title is, people are going to twist it and interpret it in, in other um, areas. So, um, but you know. The, the argument is um, that for so long, this community has been undercut at the knees that we change the systems that have caused that to happen. And honestly, it's, it's a Democrat and it's a Republican issue. I mean, these protests over the past month have gotten more done in the case of civil rights legislation and the legislation for, um, you know, black and brown people than decades. Civil rights affect us all regardless of cover, color. And so, uh, you know, that, that, that part exactly is one of my points is that the civil rights is the issue 
because they affect us all. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Nope, and that's that's fine too. And I, and I think, um, like I had said before, um, the issue with police in this country—it's not just a um, issue with a. Not all police officers are white, and not everyone that they abuse and harass, and in many instances unjustly, are are black and brown. Um, so I think so. That's that's really the thing we can say we agree on. Uh, I'm it's 51 minutes. Sorry to put that timer on there. Uh, the thing we agree on is the civil, our rights are, our civil rights are being violated and that needs to, to, to be the change. That's something we both agree on. Right. And, and I think in any case too, and, and I appreciate you bringing up the time, I, I'm good with the conversation we're having and I, we didn't start, you know, immediately when the timer started. So, uh, sure. but yeah, I mean, I think, at, on a, at a point, though, and I, I totally agree with you in the sense that it, it is not only, you know, if, if you are white, it means that you're, um, your civil rights are being less affected or, or not affected at all. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think that the issue with police is just a white police officer versus black citizen issue. Um, Perfect. But, right. I, we agree there, at least. But again, I mean, it's and and are you? 100% agree with everything. I mean, again, I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter, but there, you know, I feel like it's, it's impossible to 100% agree with everything that a person or a movement does. I feel like the only, the only place that there's a space for that is like religion, right? I mean, people don't really, you know, and, and maybe that's, maybe that's a generalization, but um, I, I feel like in order I, I think religion is more divided and controversial than uh, this subject. Personally. Right, but I mean, people anyway. people are less likely to try and you know they don't try to comb through and find. Um, you know, when I'm at you know church on a Sunday morning, I'm not sitting there trying to to dissect and you know find take issue with the things that my pastor is saying. But I feel like oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, and I feel like you can't you know you can't do that with movements like this as well. Again, because there are millions of people involved and everybody has their own and it's just trying to back a certain argument. So uh, that, that is again with the black lives matter, it's not saying that if you're white, you are an enemy. It's not saying that if you're a white, you, but it is, I mean, there are lots of people who are saying that they they're promoting allyship and, and they're saying that, you know, you, you have benefited again, whether you directly have or maybe your parents have. Again, for for some for some reason, again, if you are white in this country, you probably benefited by that fact at some point. Again, it might not have slapped you in the face, but there's probably a moment in your life where, if you thought really hard about if I were black, would this have gone this way? Then you can probably come up with an example again, if you've reflected really hard. I do have an example of that, but it's, it doesn't make your point. I once uh, was in the running for a job um, and I was more qualified. I had more experience. Um, I did not get that job because the person who did get the job was black. They had made it, uh, a requirement that they had to have so many people of a minority, um, you know, designation that um, they got the job, even though I was better qualified because I knew who the person was. Uh, 
uh, got a better score on the, the test, um, they got the job because they were black. Uh, and, and that to me was when I was affected by that. I thought, so this whole um, affirmation thing, this whole, this whole push to get black people uh, into the job uh, thing has had the, the reverse effect on me in the sense that it was reverse racism. I mean, that's really how I felt. I mean, I didn't get the job because I was white. And it's easy to feel that way when it happens to you. And, and I'm sure you, you probably felt terrible, right? Pissed, frustrated. Um, I just felt like it was unfair. I thought that, um, that no system should make race a requirement um, and that, you know, reversing, creating reverse racism doesn't help. I mean, for me, the, the, the things that I find ridiculous are it's okay for an only black college, but heaven forbid you have an only white college. I mean, I, I don't see how creating division helps. I think eliminating division is what we need to make happen. And, and, and so I just, you know, when you create a reverse racism, it, it's not going to help us. I mean, it, it will create bitterness. Um, now, so it really, they've it really gone away with that, but they're talking about reinstituting it. So it really only creates bitterness. And again, think back to how you felt when you, when you felt like you didn't get the job because of your race. That happens at an extraordinarily much higher level to a person of color than it does to someone like you or I. But, but because, is it because they're black or because they don't have the, um, they're, they're not as qualified as the other applicants? So they've done I mean, studies. Are you saying been... the people that are making these decisions are racist? They've done studies in the past. And, and I'd be happy to send them to you afterwards where, and I had referenced it earlier where you have two, you have a job posting with made up applicants applying with the same exact level of qualification on the resume. One with an African sounding name, one with a, you know, Joe Smith, basic, you know, common white name. And the, Scales were not even when it came to who who got that job, um, and that is a that is an example of systemic racism. Your argument about the having doesn't historic... systemic mean it has to be prevalent. Yeah, and I, and I well, okay, I'm... okay, prevalent. I mean, how many times did they do that? They do one. They want. I'm not. You know, you send me that info. I'll look at it. Yeah, that's fine. I'm, and and the, reason skeptical, it, of course. the reason I reference it, the reason the reason I reference it is because it's something. I think the first time I had seen it was when I was back in high school, and I was alarmed by it. And I was sort of like you, where I was like, you know, this has to be you know one cherry picked study. Um, but then it's like every two years they come out with the same update, with an update, with an update. And the numbers are not, despite all of this, you know, all these companies coming out and putting out these channels, these commercials about diversity and, 
and you know saying that they're going to pledge this much amount of money to to civil rights and this amount of money to to ending racism these companies are still having the same issue where they it's an inherent bias that they have um it's the same thing with again you know i don't i don't believe that you are a subconsciously you're saying that subconsciously they have like i said before it's not it's racism is not only a person, you know, shouting the N word and walking down the street in a KKK costume. There's that is overt racism. And then there's undercover subconscious racism that again, it's not, you're not born with it, but it's just from the, it's from the things that you see around you. It's from the things that your parents might say or teach you. It's from what you see on TV. Um, You know, again, I don't believe you to be a, a racist individual, but this is, and I'm not speaking to you specifically, but I'm just saying in general, for someone who says, you know, that, you know, I'm not racist, but, you know, would you allow your daughter to date a black person? Would you invite, you know, uh, would you invite a, a person over for dinner? You know, like those are, those are things that people have to think long and hard about because they're, they're, that would be a struggle for them to, to say, yes or no um to that because they yeah again they may say you know i don't i don't say the n-word i i work with black people i have black friends but there's a there's a limit to how far they would allow that exposure and and that's what creates subconscious you know you have kids that don't hang around in, in you know with with um mixed in with with other uh, people from different backgrounds and things like that and again that's not just a a racial thing it's a class thing as well um but it's more prevalent. Again, we're here talking about a Black Lives Matter movement, um, and and again, your your argument about historically black colleges and universities—that is, these are attempts to try and scale after centuries of. You, of you can you say that again? Because on my end, you you uh, blacked yeah. out on there. Yeah. So that it is a. It is the goal of like those historically black colleges and universities that, like you said, if, if you were to have a white only college, that would be, you know, an issue. The there are areas where all the time about anti-racism, it anti promote these black communities that have been shut down and not allowed to to grow on their own. For again, like I said, centuries. Again, we, you really only had a couple of decades of equal rights. Again, towards the end of the '60s, and again, even that was a, a battle. Um, so it's it's trying to. It is not. It is not pie. You know th- this whole argument about equality and about racism and and equal rights is not. It's not a piece of pie. It doesn't mean you know. Because we give this severely disenfranchised community, because we try and pour in some resources to them, does not mean that you are going to get less. It's not, you know, it's not as simple as a pie or a piece of pizza. Sure, that's right. There's plenty to go around in a sense. Yep. But, you know, and, and that is the that is that is the the mission of the Black Lives Matter movement, again, overall, you know, when you go out in, in protest, you know, for 
who participated in the open open the country backup protests you know were those led by anybody were those did those have like a singular a singular goal mission you know there there are all sorts of people involved in that and again i'm not i'm not denouncing that as bad but i'm just saying when you think of these movements they're not necessarily monolithic there are different people in them with different agendas and sometimes that you know it's it's the same thing we see in in congress right i mean nobody can get a single bill passed about one issue because there's all these other interconnected pieces at play so it's impossible to you'll never 100% agree with everything um but i think it's important to hear out what they're saying um i think if you and it's unfortunate that the history book that you know you and i read in in our you know schooling background doesn't talk about a lot of these things and that's part of the the issue as well um but I think that these issues are very real and they still exist today, whether we have, you know, had a black president, whether we have 10 black presidents, I don't think that that is going to uh, solve those issues that we see today. Okay. Uh, my perspective on is that I think as long as we focus on um, the, the, the di- division that it just continues to create the division, uh, you know, like the white fragility book. Um, I don't think that makes people um, move closer to the Black Lives Matter movement. I think it makes them feel like they're uh, hated. And, you know, it kind of just continues that division. Uh, I don't see it. I really don't see it helping. Um, yeah, I mean, but that's fair. My big picture on this is that if if the Black Lives Matter movement moves the bar of civil liberties um, towards uh, a better police force and a better system of law enforcement, then it gets my vote of yes. I, you know, if I was once pulled over driving a U-Haul truck, not because I was white but because I was driving a U-Haul truck um, and I experienced my own civil liberties violation. Um, and that really is something it's, is important to me. So um, while I won't go out and jump in the crowd of the black lives matter movement as it, as it is today, um, I do back the concept that um, there needs to be changes to all of our uh, civil liberties or the system that is affecting our civil liberties. Yeah. And I, I, um, like I said before, it's a big umbrella with a lot of ideas under it. And that is certainly a a major piece. I mean, this entire, uh, the entire issue, you know, of the Black Lives Matter movement was born out of police brutality. You know, there was, that was really where it, the incision of it came from and and i think if if you were bothered by the fact that you were pulled over like that happened unjustly know that that happens at five times the rate to a person of color in the country so that is right and that's a whole nother segment we could talk about the um the uh percentages because i've done a huge amount of studying uh on um, on what you're talking about there. And, 
And uh, I mean, maybe we could have another discussion. You could bring your stats. I could bring my stats and we could compare and see if there's any common ground we could find there. Or maybe we would still be completely divided on that because I believe it has to do with the encounters numbers uh, more than anything. And, and uh, to truly give that uh, a, a good perspective or understanding, you'd have to go into, you know, what does that mean encounters um, because I think when you focus on the encounters aspect, it really gives the shines the light on the reality of what's happening there. Um, but you know that would be a whole other topic. I think we've had a fantastic discussion, well over an hour, and that went zipped over quick. I mean, that went by fast, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, and I think it was. Um, you know, I, I hope your listeners uh, take away from the fact that. Um, you know, again, the, the, and again, I don't speak for the entire movement, but I can just speak for my involvement in it again, as a, as a white person who, you know, can't really relate to the black experience is, you know, I have been welcomed into that community because I'm going into it with the best intent. And again, in any group, you know, but according to white fragility, you're still a racist. I'm sure I've benefited you know, areas of that. I don't have to walk down the street looking older over my shoulder. Um, like, you know, many in that community do. Um, and like I said, I, I, I can, I know that I've benefited, um, from the color of my skin or it hasn't helped me back, um, at all. So, um, know that they are looking for allies. It's a time right now to be vulnerable. It's a time to these conversations uncomfortable. Um, but I think, education and taking a time to step out of your comfort zone and and learn from these experiences and, and not everybody has the ability to to experience it directly um, you know I when I was in college I got to I got to have this awesome experience where I went to Cincinnati for a week uh, which has like the second highest homelessness rate in the country uh, predominantly minority homelessness and had to live you know, uh, in a, 50 of us in a three room apartment for the week and live on food stamps and, and panhandle and things like that. Um, so not everybody gets those direct experiences, but I think if you step out of your, now, did you do that as a choice, as an experience yeah. or just life circumstances put you there? No. So this was a choice. It was a, a service project. So we went out there. Oh, okay. Um, we went out there to Cincinnati to serve, um, the homeless population out there to, to, you know, really understand what it is like to be homeless in the country. Um, again, it happened to be the fact that there was a predominantly, um, you know, minority community in Cincinnati that's homelessness, but that's homeless. But um, yeah, I mean, that again, not everybody has those eye-opening experiences. Um, that's one of the benefits of college, I think, is that you're able to step out of your community um, and learn from other, other people in other backgrounds. Um, but I think right now is a moment of opening up, being vulnerable, and hopefully, you know, I, I really think that we had a good discussion today and that people will, uh, you know, whether they agree with me or not, I think bringing up those different perspectives are important. And like I said, I think that you and I, um, you know, although we come from different sides of the political spectrum, um, there are there are points that we, um, and I think that you should take those points of agreement and run with it. You know, the yes. fact that you might not agree with everything doesn't mean that I cast you aside and you cast me aside. And I think exactly. to do that Black Lives Matter movement would be the same, you know, would be 
unjust as well. So. Absolutely. No, I, and, and, you know, that's, that's just it. We need to be able to engage in a dialogue and be able to agree and disagree and still agree that we both have a right to our opinion and still have a right to exist. And, um, and that is, you know, something that is important to me because I feel like that, that seems to be uh, not happening. It seems like we're becoming more and more uh, divided. And, and really, I would just like to see us, you know, not be divided. Let's, let's be one. Let's have one voice, um, but with multiple um, points of views. Steve? Thank you so much for uh, talking with me. Uh, I can't believe how fast that time went by. I, I really appreciate um, your ability to articulate your point and, uh, and do it so uh, positively. Yeah, no, and Will, I, I appreciate the uh, important conversation. I think you, um, you know, are doing a good thing for your listeners in trying to expose them to different ideas. Um, and I think you're doing a good thing uh, for your for yourself as well as trying to expose yourself to, to different pers uh, perspectives and backgrounds. So it was a pleasure, um, and yeah, I'd definitely be be happy to uh, um, you know have conversations like this in the future. That'd be great. Yeah, I think uh, I would love to. You know, if, uh, maybe we could uh, revisit uh, the um, the encounters aspect or the the percentages aspect and. And see where we where we align or or don't align on that one. Maybe that's something we can do in the future. Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, I think I think the conversation is important, and I think again, like I said, um, I think your your listeners today would be surprised uh, at the areas that we did agree on. So um, I think you yes, definitely I agree. Take something away. So yes. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know that you've got a busy schedule, got your own podcast. Again, that's Playoffs and Politics. You can find that on Spotify, Apple. Uh, where can they find it? Yep, um, yep, you got it right. Uh, Spotify, Apple, Google. Um, and if you're a social media user, it's uh, at Playoffs and Politics on Instagram and Facebook. So. And and it's not just politics playoffs. He it's about sports. Yep, gotcha. Um, and I did some listening there, and so it, it'd be worth your time to just listen to what uh, he's talking about there because uh, uh, he definitely likes sports. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's a uh, a good combination. So I'm certainly if if you are a uh, a stick to sports person, um, I am I am not your guy. Um, but again, it's just about exposing you to different uh, perspectives and different. Uh, historical significances of, uh, of sports and politics overlapping with each other. So yeah, I appreciate the time. Appreciate uh, the conversation and um, best of luck to you. Thanks, Steve. You too. Have a fantastic day. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye.